Health Fuels Hustle, a podcast for business owners looking to create their own brand of work-life balance. This podcast is for creatives looking to improve their health naturally and funnel that energy into the work they live and love. I'm your host, Amy Koretsky, an acupuncturist, herbalist, and health coach for creatives. Hey, y'all. Welcome back. It's another episode of Health Feels Hustle. I'm Amy Koretsky, your host. And today you're getting a true peek behind the curtain, you could say. Um, So this interview today is more of a conversation than an interview. And it's with someone that is near and dear to my heart that I um, love with all of my heart. And her name is Barbara Aroshina. Barbara and I have um, a multi-layered relationship, which is actually something that we go into in this conversation. Um, We've both worked together in different capacities. Um, She currently is my coach slash therapist, basically, because she does have training in gestalt psychotherapy. Um, And I basically, um, I work with her like in place of a traditional therapist, you could say. So this is a really like um, honest and vulnerable conversation between friends, between um, coaches slash clients, since we've had multiple roles and relationships in the time that we worked together. Um, And I'm not really going to go into what we talk about over the course of this conversation, because I just want to encourage you to listen with an open mind. Um, I will say that Barbara is an amazing coach, an amazing therapist and she has a lot of really amazing offerings coming up in the future and we do dive into those a little bit so you'll get a sneak peek at what she has up her sleeve coming for 2019. Also I will say that um, in this talk we do mention my retreat that I held in Joshua Tree um, last fall sorry last spring called um, the Boss Magic Retreat uh, as Barbara was one of the attendees Um, and I will say that I have another retreat coming up also in Joshua Tree. It's not going to be open to only bosses though. It's open to any, um, female identifying or non-binary people that would like to do some personal healing. At this point in time, as recording this intro, there's only like two spots left. So I can't promise that by the time this goes live, that there will still be any spots left. But if that's something that sounds um, up your alley and sounds like that you want to be there, just send me an email or shoot me a DM in Instagram and we can have a conversation about it. Um, there'll be more retreats in the future. Also, if this one is signed out, uh, is sold out by this time and, and you're interested in going in the future. So with that being said, let me tell you a little bit more about Barbara. Barbara Aroshina is an emotional wellness coach and creator of the cards for self-care. She combines gestalt psychotherapy, spiritual direction, and coaching in order to help coaches, leaders, and healers deepen their own inner life and have greater impact through their work in the world. Barbara coaches one-on-one, runs online masterminds, and offers in-person retreats and workshops. This summer, Barbara will be launching the Be With podcast, a podcast about the art and practice of care for leaders, healers, and other feelers. She's got rad politics, a babely wife, and a serious Instagram story love affair, which you can indulge in via at Be With Cards. Book a call or sign up for her quarterly newsletter or stay connected at www.bewith.org. 
All right. And with that, I'm going to let you listen to our conversation. I hope you go into it with an open heart and tenderness for the vulnerability that both Barbara and I share in this conversation. Thanks for listening. All right. So I am extremely honored, extremely excited, and totally thrilled to have um, a friend, a coach, um, also like my therapist and a peer. Like there's so many different like levels to this relationship, which we're going to get into in a minute. But um, Barbara Aroshina, which I totally just butchered that even though we just practiced it. So do you want to say your name and introduce yourself, Barbara? I think you did a great job, so I'm not even going to correct you. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if I was introducing myself in Russian, my given name, uh, I was born in Moscow, it would be Varvara Gennadievna Roshina. I love but, that. you know, to ask like any Anglophone to pronounce that well is really like it's a tongue twister times 10. So I, I try and just like let it chill, you know? <laughs> well, my own like Russian bones, since I am like basically 100% like Eastern European Russian, I feel like that I, I want to be able to say that with some authenticity. So maybe we'll practice that more later. <laughs> yeah, we can totally do that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm an emotional wellness coach. I live in Toronto in Canada. I've been in practice for about three years now, I guess. I'm in my third year. Um, and yeah, I support folks through feeling their feelings and getting in touch with their intuition and improving their emotional regulation and making changes in their lives, both in their internal world and their external world. And then I also run, uh, offerings that focus on that for entrepreneurs. Um, so masterminds, retreats, things like that. And then I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just in the process of launching some brand new other things and envisioning some brand new other things, uh, like a podcast and a training program. And so, um, yeah, I'm also like a woman in transition because of all those things too. Yeah. I love it. So, um, I, as everyone listening will have probably heard me say this many times by now, uh, this whole season is focused on talking to other healers. And I really wanted to talk to a variety of different healers and a variety of different, um, working with different healing modalities. And one of the things that I love about you is that I kind of feel like you're a healer for other healers. If that makes oh, sense yeah. to you. 100%. I mean, that's like, that's my jam. My favorite, my favorite. I mean, I love all of my clients, any of my clients listening to this. I love every single goddamn one of you. Um, but there is like a really special place in my heart for helping other healers deepen their own work and their own process so they can show up um, in even more empowered and well-supported ways for their clients and so that their their space-holding capacities are increased and improved. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, which is one of the reasons why we are working together so that I yeah. can show up in even um, more integrity and um, with to increase my own capacity of like holding space for other people as well. And um, one of the things that I just really wanted to like jump into right off the bat is this idea of something that I think you do really well is hold this multifaceted um, and multi-layered relationships with people, whether or not they are your clients or not. And if you want to kind of explain what that means a little bit more, because it's something that uh, we brought up, you brought up to me in conversation when we were talking about first working together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's one of the deep commitments within my practice. And I feel like lately I've actually, especially in our work and recently in me attending your retreat, um, 
I feel like I've gotten even, even better language around it, which is so exciting. Um, early into my practice, so my training kind of is three-part. I'm trained traditionally as an Anglican minister, so kind of like as a Christian pastor, uh, but clearly you know, burn those Christian bridges specifically. Uh, but still, I'm a very spiritual person, and spiritual practice is a big part of my work. I'm trained as a coach, but I'm also trained as a gestalt psychotherapist. Um, and so kind of like bringing those three things together when I was starting my practice, I had a choice around how to name myself, whether to join any of the professional colleges, and, and really what to build my practice on. Um, and I realized pretty quickly that what I wanted to focus my practice on was uh, coaching, but from a therapeutic perspective. Um, and so as that became clear, and I thought about, you know, joining the College of Psychotherapists here in Ontario, um, I realized that that would mean that I would be fairly limited in within my scope of practice of how I relate to my clients outside of our relationship as coach and client. Um, and that felt really uncomfortable to me um, because I have done so many different healing practices that are about community care. Um, and I kind of, I like to complicate self-care and think about community care and think about, um, yeah, how, how healing is not about an individual process, but it's about a, really a communal process. Um, it's an individual process as well, but I think there's more to it than that. And so I, I made the decision that I wanted to be able to have multiple relationships with my clients, um, which is almost like a term that I take from an essay I read years ago called Not On Our Backs, that we'll, we'll put a link to in the show notes, um, that talks about the fact that often within therapeutic communities, there's this concern about dual relationships, that you should only have one relationship with your client, and that is as therapist and and patient or client or whatever. Um, and that's the relationship. And it creates kind of like this safe clinical container for the therapist to be this like removed person who's not really human, but this, this like expert and guide and mother and all those things, you know, and as much as I get that I, as a queer person accessing my own care, have always found it most helpful when I've been able to actually blur those boundaries um, and see my practitioner, not just as a practitioner, but as a person. Um, and this happened for me, you know, with one of the most kind of like influential uh, figures in my own healing journey. My therapist was also kind of like a removed colleague of my wife's. Um, and so they met aside together, you know, separately from my relationship with this therapist. And, and that was actually really supportive because I had a model of queerness and uh, personhood where this person wasn't just like someone who listened to all my feelings, but she was also a role model for me in a world, in the world, and I could see her as a real human. Um, and so, yeah, so like I have this deep commitment to, um, to working out these multiple relationships within the same dynamic, uh, knowing that that actually enriches our community, knowing that that allows for circles of care rather than hierarchies of care, and that we have so much to learn from one another and to guide each other to, and really to guide each of us back to our own true, true self and our own true intuition and our own guidance and divinity and wisdom and all those things. Yes. Um, I mean, what you just said about that whole idea of circle of care versus hierarchy yeah. of care, like that, right? Like in my bones just felt like, yes, 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 yes. And I think it's one of the things that, um, I think your, your embracing of this dynamic and of these blurring of lines, but in a very respectful, very like honoring mm -hmm. way is actually what gives you your superpower. I mean, I think that's why you're really great at what you do. And I think, um, I think that 
I mean, we're gonna we're gonna go real vulnerable in this conversation because this is what we do in our conversations. Yay! This one just happens to be recorded. Um, but Amazing. so um, to get real vulnerable for all of my listeners to hear, like I think one of the reasons why my work with Barbara has been so important to me, like if you want to use the word transformative or been really impactful in a lot of ways, is because um, because we've had this like blurred line at times granted in our coaching conversation it is very much like coaching conversation and there is that like safe container like you were talking about but then um for instance like she mentioned she came to my retreat that was in california this last year and that really as someone who both works with her in this respect of um seeing her as both a peer but also as a person that cares for me and is um that I look up to as a role model in that respect and in a healing community um it definitely triggered some things in me of like um being really nervous or I'm not quite sure if I can name the feeling right now but being really vulnerable about like stepping into my own power when there was somebody that I hold like who I give power to um it Mm -hmm. all in the same space and then being able to actually like have these conversations with you as someone Mm -hmm. that is not only like my therapist and my coach but also my peer and like a client of mine as someone that Mm -hmm. has like paid for my services it Mm -hmm. just was really allowed me to um check myself in a lot of ways and actually come against my barriers and see things from a new perspective whereas I maybe would never have even been given the opportunity to have those difficult feelings and then be able to work through those difficult feelings Mm. I mean, that's so inspiring. Like, really, like, it's like, that just makes my little heart swell. And and recently, like, it's something I've been thinking a lot about. And, and to be totally honest, like, that's so encouraging right now, because I've been almost struggling with this concept lately. Um, as I get ready to Okay, so I'm going to get vulnerable. Great, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> this is like a vulnerability uh, party right here. <laughs> yeah, vulnerability party. So I am I'm stepping into a place with my practice where I am looking um or I've I've put it out into the universe. I haven't put out like an official call, but I've put it out into the universe that I'm looking for someone to train within my methodology because I do combine these three things in a very unique way and I I kind of feel ready to like pass that on to someone. And it feels very exciting, but role of teacher is not, it's something that's in my bones, but it's not something I've gotten to practice a lot. Uh, it's not something I really practice within my one-on-one practice. Um, and so I've been having these conversations with uh, peers and, and other coaches in the industry where I'm, you know, working on figuring out how to present this, this gift that I want to give. Um, and so much vulnerability comes up around like, who am I to do this? Um, and who am I to offer to teach this? And who am I to invite someone else and like to be a student into, into this? And yet when I frame it in terms of like a circle of care and the fact that actually they probably have a lot to learn, not just from like my methodology, but also from being a student that I have a lot to learn from being a teacher. And that for me, to get to be in the seat of a teacher would actually be very much like a student role because I am learning. It's, you know, it's beginner's mind how to do it. And that I really do, like, I do believe that I think when we kind of free ourselves up from these, you know, and like these patriarchal and like hierarchical ideas are so woven into us that we don't even understand all the ways that they impact us. I think education is one of those. And so I think 
sometimes we're not aware that we are resistant or afraid to having these more nuanced relationships. And yet the gift of these nuanced relationships is that they allow us to be vulnerable and to be humble, but to also shine like so fucking bright and give other people permission to shine also. And taking on that kind of power and that kind of responsibility is really scary. And part of why capitalism continues to work is because so many folks are trapped in fear that we just hand our power right over and we enable the very structures that hurt us um, because we're afraid. And like the system is built to make us afraid. But as long as we kind of keep marinating in that, we keep giving away our power. Totally. And And it's like built for us to be afraid of them, but also to be afraid of ourselves. Oh, totally. Yes, please. Tell me more. Tell me more. saying it's so important. Well, because it's all about this whole idea of, like, we can't trust ourselves, especially, like, as women, we're, like, told that, like, that that we're not logical and that we feel too much. But, like, that's actually something to embrace and something to, like, really hone and feel powerful by. And... There's so, and, and I say like women with an ax, this is, does not have to be like women. This is very, um, everybody has like a feminine aspect of themselves. So whether or not they were born with, um, you know, female genitalia or not, it doesn't matter. Like we can all connect to that female aspect of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Anyone that bleeds, whether or not, um, you, um, use she, her pronouns, like anyone that bleeds has this connection to the moon, which is the connection to our intuition. And like, there's so much power in all of that. And mm-hmm. it is just shut the fuck down by the systems. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And so I think when we engage in these relationships where we honor vulnerability and we honor nuance and we honor intuition and listening to our intuition as the guide to who's taking the lead at what moment, rather than rules that have been given to us about who's the leader and who's the follower. When we can use our intuition to tell us when it's time to step up and speak up, shit, we're gonna change the game. Which is hard. I wanna say, like, as a business owner, it is hard to run a business because like we're on autopilot in a lot of ways. Like, you know, we've grown up in these systems. And so for instance, like at the retreat, like I am quote unquote leading the retreat. Like you all Uh paid me money. I organized it. Like I'm the space holder of the retreat. But at the same time, um, I have so much to learn from all of the other attendees of the retreat. Like, you know, so I really did feel like I wanted this circle of care, but at the same time I felt like I had to then also be the quote unquote leader and like have this hierarchical. So it was hard for me to um, notice when I'm like falling back on these systemic beliefs of more like hierarchy. Mm -hmm. And when I, when in my body, I really want to like embrace this circle. And so um, it, I just want to acknowledge that if anyone else is having trouble with this, like you're not alone. We're all here with you. Yeah. I mean, okay. So I want to ask you a question, which is, do you think that there will come a time where late capitalism has fallen and disintegrated and we will be able to have, because we won't be as reliant, (laughs) you know, on the almighty dollar. That's what I'm hoping. I know I'm talking ideal futures, but why not? Like where we'll be able to not feel like at certain times we have to shut our humanity down because right now we're getting paid to hold space. Mm. I mean, there's a difference between do I think that's going to happen and do I want that to happen? (laughs) You know (laughs) what I mean? Like ideal future is here. But I think that – I do believe that there are – 
There are communities that are rising up in solidarity of each other. And I feel like there are communities that are, I don't want to say the word like gaining power, but I think um, gaining acceptance, gaining support, you know, other words that maybe mm-hmm. power is such like, has has so such a loaded word but um that are that are rising up in this way that within those communities I do feel like that is happening I don't know if I necessarily see like the whole system coming down like mm-hmm. that's that system has been building up for centuries and I I, I don't know I mean yeah, yeah I hope that things are changing but I I don't yeah. know what about you I don't know either I mean as soon as I asked the question I I was like, uh, you know what? I don't know. And it's not probably my lifetime to know. Right. I mean, I'm sure c- my consciousness will know at some point down the line. But in my human current manifested experience, I don't know. But I do know and I am excited about the way that we're doing it radically within our own communities right now. Yeah. And those moments when we choose to lead from a place of intuition and honoring our humanity, even when it's tricky, even when we're like this this person has paid for space holding, like how can we remind ourselves that one of the best ways for us to say space hold is also to come add the practice as connected as we can be, yeah. you know, whether that practice is holding a retreat or holding a one-on-one intuitive session or reading tarot or um, whatever it is, you know, and I, and I think, I do think it's a murky line. Like I have had relationships with um, practitioners or space holders where, you know, I've paid them for some service and instead, I felt like I've been the one kind of holding space yeah. in that moment. Um, and that hasn't felt good either. No. But yeah. to me, in those moments, what I felt isn't that the person is really too connected to themselves. It's actually that they're disconnected from themselves and that they're just acting out of trauma or which like sucks. Like it, it legit blows. Like I have no no hate on that, like that is a difficult place to be when you aren't even aware that you're acting out of trauma or acting out of defensiveness or whatever, you know, but, um, I have had that experience as well. And it's, you know, and that doesn't feel great either. Um, so I, I think it's about like, you know, doing our best and showing up and being present, but making sure that like we prior for me, it's about prioritizing doing my own work so I can show up as present as I can. Yeah. And so I feel like, a lot of what I'm hearing in that is vulnerability has a big part to play in all of this, like being vulnerable yes. enough to show up, being vulnerable enough to yes. do your process, your work. Um, and, you know, this podcast, even though it's evolved a lot from the very first season to what we're talking about now with like all of this anti-capitalism and everything, like mm-hmm. there's still this theme of self-care throughout all mm-hmm. this, you know, podcast is called Health Fuels Hustle. This is all about like supporting ourselves so that we can support others mm-hmm. through our businesses. And so do you want to maybe wax poetic for a little bit about like how vulnerability is part of self-care or how maybe you need self-care to help support your vulnerability or like the interesting relationship between the two yeah oh I love the way you frame the question because like I had an answer right away for the first part and then the second part I was like I'll get there once I talk about the first part (laughs) so I think the first is that how we need vulnerability for self-care um I think first and foremost I think we need vulnerability for self-care because we first need vulnerability with ourselves. 
And sometimes that requires someone else holding the space for us to practice that vulnerability with ourselves. But we need some safe container to land, whether that's like sitting down with a cup of tea for 10 minutes or a journal or a tarot practice or a connection with nature and walking in the woods um, or a meditation practice. We need to create safe containers for ourselves so that we can take the risk of being vulnerable and actually feeling into what we what we need and what we feel uh because those are kind of the two things that most people are really disconnected from um most of us are disconnected from what we feel and what we need because we're judging those things um and that's why connecting with them is such a vulnerable act because as soon as we connect with them we're likely to come up with a lot of judgments because non-judgment is a, a difficult practice that's really not taught to us uh, especially in this part of the world um and so i think that like the first way in which vulnerability supports self-care is that I think without it, we can't really practice good self-care because we will just do the things we think we should be doing for self-care. And I'm like using air quotes here rather than doing what we actually need for self-care. I feel you so much on that point. Like that is something that I, um, I go off on this topic so often. I've like written blog posts about it and I've like done entire workshops on it. This whole idea Uh of like going beyond the bathtub. Granted, I love taking baths. Like, don't get me wrong, but there's more to self care than just like drawing a bath on every like new moon or something. So, and it is really about that. um, Non judgment is so hard because if you like check in and, and, yeah, I don't even know if I can like fully explain it right here, but I feel that myself even if I like check in and be like, well, maybe what I really want right now like feels really unattainable. And why does it feel unattainable? Like maybe it feels unattainable because I haven't been shown examples of it in our culture that this is something mm-hmm. that's acceptable. And so then mm-hmm. judgment comes around it. Mm-hmm. I feel like the deeper I get into my self-care practice, which like I must... <laughs> I must admit, my self-care practice is, like, deep, (laughs) like, very intensive. Um, I think because it is the main way that I pulled out of depression in my 20s um, was through a lot of, like, what's the gentlest thing I can do for myself right now? What do I need right now? What would support look like? Um, For me, because I came at my depression from a place of trying to fix myself, um, which I think is where we get it wrong. And I think that's really common. I mean, I think there's a whole... I mean, there's a whole consumer culture around fixing ourselves. Right? And like pathologizing ourselves rather than being like, hey, this is coming up as a flag that's just like waving for attention. And the thing here isn't to fix myself, it's to support myself. Like, what is it calling attention to? What need is it calling attention to that's not getting met? Um, And so the way that I pulled out of my, like my own struggle is that I, I really started like kind of fearlessly practicing like, okay, what... What do I need right now? And then giving that to myself consistently over and 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 over, like and over again for years. And so now I feel like I've hit a point of my relationship with myself. And I think self-care is actually probably a really simple, great way to talk about it. Like I've hit the point of going down the rabbit hole of self-care so deep that it's come to this place where for me, self-care these days is a lot more about full acceptance of who I am Mm -hmm. Um, and even the needs and the desires that I have that I would usually judge um, or that I would have judged in the past these days, I'm like, Nope, that's what I need. I need to have this difficult conversation with someone. I need to um, cut off this 
this tie with a person, I need to say, I need to not follow through on a commitment that I made where I made someone a promise and also not feel guilty about it because that's what I need. And so for me, like that shit takes real vulnerability because it's often comes with, because there's risk of sacrifice. Like there's risk of loss. There's risk of loss of relationships. There's risk of loss of a, a previous identity you've clung onto. There's a shit ton of risk and vulnerability. Um, but the payoff's amazing. I feel like a lot of what you're talking about comes back to a simple but not so simple um, point of trust and trust in our intuition. Mm-hmm. And so like when we're able to trust that what's coming up for us intuitively like is always going to lead us um for our own soul's expansion or for our betterment that we don't have to judge it and we can accept it fully. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I think there's nothing wrong with like building up evidence for yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, your intuition spoke up or this need came up, like meet the need, start with a small need. And then like over time, build up a, a box of evidence for yourself. Like, Hey, look, every time I follow my intuition, like good things come of that. And even when difficult things come, my soul feels satisfied. You I know? think that's such a um, awesome way of explaining it, especially for people that maybe feel like they're more of a thinking brain than a feeling brain. Mm-hmm. Like uh, what is it like the Myers-Briggs? If you're more of a thinker than a feeler, then you need that evidence. You need that hard evidence. So this is like the scientific method being like, well, I had, I, you know, I had a hypothesis and I tried it out and it was successful. So like, yay, put that one in the yes box. Yeah. I mean, I would put myself definitely more in the feeler category, but I, what I'll tell you is I use that in very practical ways in my life. Like I will, you know, I build my business very intuitively and I, in the last eight months, I like put the gas pedal to the floor in terms of like only doing shit in my business that felt intuitively right. And that produced significantly more money than previous attempts that focus more on strategy rather than intuition. And what's been fun is that actually I've been able to use that as like literally those dollars. I've been able to use those as evidence for like, no, Barbara, you're going to follow your intuition in your business and you're going to continue to build your business from an intuitive place. And that's been helpful for me because I might be a feeler when it comes to relationships or my body or my mental health. But when it comes to like finances, like that's where I jump to like reptilian thinking brain right away. You know, that's where I'm like a lot more logical and I like spreadsheets and cash flows and stuff, you know? <laughs> and so it's nice that like we can we can lean into whatever tools we need are gonna support us in whichever part of our lives and, and that's great. Like there's nothing wrong with needing a variety of tools. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love all of that. <laughs> oh can you tell me a little bit about about how I want you to explain a little bit more about like what's in the works for you. Although I know that like some of the stuff isn't totally fleshed out yet, but so like, um, I want to know like where your intuition has been guiding you. I know that you talked a little bit about wanting to like reach out and teach someone, teach people your methodology. I also know that maybe there's a podcast in the works mm-hmm. that you're doing. So you want to talk about yeah. that a little bit? Oh my God. It's so funny. Cause it was just thinking about it in their like lat in the last literally four minutes of our conversation something in me was like I think I need to talk about what's next this is why and then you are good because this is this, how we work I know we work in a wavelength that's magical um yeah if if the audience could see my face right now I've got that like ridiculous like beamy grin right now which feels really exciting and very tender and beautiful um yeah so around Christmas time my wife and I were driving to like a family gathering 
and there was a snowstorm in Tanya, my wife's name, uh, Tanya was meditating next to me. So silence. And I kept the car silent so that, you know, they would have silence. And I literally like got a series of images downloaded to me, which is very interesting because my intuition 95% of the time speaks to me through language. Like I hear my intuition through full out sentences and I've kind of trained myself to receive intuitive downloads that way. Um, but all of a sudden I got like a series of images and that was very fascinating and interesting. And what I saw was, um, a specific location that I know that's in this area called Prince Edward County. And I saw a group of, I don't know, like eight or 10 women gathered around. And what I knew they were there for was the start. I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, but I'm going to say it out loud. The start of a year long coach training program, um, that would include three retreats and year long community, one-on-one work with me, a mastermind with each other. Um, work with some of the folks that I look to for my own development and growth and leadership, you know, um, everyone from Maggie Gentry, who you and I both love to, uh, Sophie Luxton, who's a local, um, practitioner here who works with movement and women's bodies and, uh, yeah. And, and kind of like steep, steep women in my methodology, but also in helping them transform their own coaching and healing businesses from, from this framework and help them, take their businesses that they already have and, and like bring it down a level, like deepen it, you know, because I think there's so much stuff that helps people grow. Um, but I don't know if there's a lot out there that helps people deepen their already existing businesses. And so like, I suddenly imagined all these women and I was like, okay, what, what is that? What, what is that? I don't know what that is, but it was very exciting and it stayed with me and the visual stayed with me so clearly. Um, and so I've been listening and paying attention and I just noticed I have goosebumps on my thighs as I share this, which is like a little fun hint from my body that I'm on the right track. Oh yeah, it is. Um, and so then over the last few months, little pieces have like dropped in here and there, including actually at your retreat during the breath work, I had some pieces fell in there, which was really fun. Um, I love because like my retreat was an intuitive download of visions, which I also rarely, if ever get like visuals, I always get language always, or like just kind of an inner knowing. And my very, very first time ever doing breath work, which was like years ago now, during that I saw my retreat and so then I love that like this is kind of similar like I love the common thread in that and I love that you were at my retreat and that it's kind of like this wave just keeps going Amy this is how the universe works I know I know I like I remind myself and I'm like oh yeah I I know this but then every time it happens your soul just so like delighted and excited by it but like my mind is blown regularly like like that's like what? No, this is like, we think the universe works in like cars and iPhones being like the coolest <laughs> advancement, but no, the, like the coolest advancement is this transmission of inspiration that is happening from person to person to person. Yeah. This is how the universe works. And that fucking blows my mind. And I've had like an active spiritual practice since I was a small child. Like I didn't go into the church for, you know, for like the church, I went into the church for, because like spirituality has been at the top of my values since I was like five. My first memory was in a church. So, you know, like I, this is it. This is how the universe works. Anyway. So I've been listening to the universe and the next, I, I've been staying open towards kind of like, what are the fill in pieces? Um, and the fill in pieces that I feel like 
right now or coming up is that yeah, I'll be launching a podcast that I think is going to be called the Be With Podcast um, about the art and practice of care for coaches, healers, and other healers. Um, or coaches, healers, and other healers. Haven't decided that yet. Uh, and I'll be hosting kind of like, uh, you know, conversations with other coaches and healers that I think the world needs to hear, but also talking and doing some teaching sessions just on my own, you know, so just solo podcasts where I maybe um, unwrap a piece of of coaching um, or space holding or uh, kind of emotional intelligence and flush it out for people. So making it a lot more accessible. If people want to get a tease or taste of it, I encourage them and invite them to follow you on Instagram because you've been doing, you've been trying out like some more live stories lately, almost like a, like a little tidbit of what a podcast would sound like with you. And they've been really great. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I think I'll probably in my link by the time this launches, there should be, a link to download the two like first lives that I did as audio. Oh, you saved files? them? Yeah, I saved them as audio files. So, so Barbara did one that was partly inspired by a question that I asked during a que- during a coaching session, which was all about um, trying to work with or like how do we move from um, being the word I'm looking for being like working from external validation to internal validation, and it was really helpful to listen to that one. So thank you for doing it. I'm glad. Yeah, it was really fun to do. Uh, yeah, the best the best questions are always coming from my clients. I mean, some great questions come from other people too, but it's like, it's just wild that like once you dive into the work, how how much there is to explore. Um, so yeah, so the podcast should be launching. I'm guessing like sometime early summer. We're, we've got our first big meeting today, like with my podcast editor and my marketing coordinator, which is great. Um, and then, as I mentioned, I'm looking for someone to kind of train within my methodology to be kind of like my beta tester. So uh, I'm calling that person in, literally. So I'm like, hey, universe, drop it in. It's funny, I wasn't even planning on sharing it on today's podcast. And maybe by the time that this airs, I'll already have someone, who knows, but I'm kind of paying attention. Uh, in that department. And then, uh, yeah. And then I think kind of, I think probably the coach training program is going to launch sometime in 2019. Uh, but as a beta, I'm going to have a retreat just for coaches in the fall in October. And that's going to be like a four to five day retreat. And Maggie's going to come on and spend a day like teaching kind of like at the end of it, but I'm going to do a lot of group facilitation and, um, yeah, and just showing what the methodology actually looks like and supporting specifically coaches to have deeper community with one another, um, a deeper practice with themselves emotionally, um, and then also figure out and like actually, you know, do a lot of um, hot seat work, which is kind of like my favorite way of working with people. And that's when, um, you know, a group of women will be seated in a circle, a group of people will be seated in a circle, you don't have to identify as a woman. Um I've just done it so far for women. Um, but uh, what happens is that one person basically comes to the front and we do work one-on-one while the rest of the group watches. Um, and then, yeah, and then the rest of the group offers a, a certain type of feedback that I invite everyone to pay attention to. Um, and it's really, really powerful. People yeah. go way deeper in that kind of work way quicker than they would if they were just doing it one-on-one because there's a group space holding energy happening and it's really, really powerful. So, so there will also be doing... I'll also be doing a lot of that. So I'll be leading it. And then I'll also invite some folks who are keen and ready to try doing it themselves to actually yeah. try it out. Um, so I love that. Yeah. And I love that. Um, I love what you're talking about with that hot seat and that witnessing, because I also have found that it's like super powerful. I mean, even 
um, without like sharing anything that isn't available to share. You know, during uh, the retreat, we all I led a full moon breathwork circle mm-hmm. with all of you. It was very powerful for a lot of you there. And then afterwards, um, after these breathwork circles, I always love to invite people to share, although I, I never make anybody share. It's always just an invitation. And always, 100% of the time, it's like a little bit like quiet at first and people are just still like really with their experience and with their body. And then like one pe- one person will like kind of interject something and then another person. And then next thing you know, like everyone is like, crying and sharing and just like so open and and it's such a powerful like witnessing of being able to share your Mm -hmm. experience or share your story or your fears or your dreams and have other people witness you Mm -hmm. yeah no I mean I think it takes I think we forget how powerful we are as a collective all the time um you know because we're I, I think it's what you said earlier we're taught not to trust ourselves and so we're also kind of taught not to trust our collective uh, and yet there's so much that can be done when we start from a place of safety. Yeah. Um, and I think it's so beautiful to create that. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited about all of it. And like the kind of the next step is that I'm going to take the workshop I just did in Austin that I did after the retreat um, and take it to a few different cities this summer. I think I'm actually even going to do uh, in New York with Holly Lowry, who you connected me with, which oh, is so fun. fun. Yeah. So I'll be doing like a bunch of those kind of like hot seat style workshops, but not just for practitioners, for anyone that wants to attend them, um, this summer as a way of, uh, getting a little more info, but also like being in that practice more fully for myself. Um, cause like my, my client roster is full and I really, really love my client work, but I kind of feel ready to like go out and do a little bit of this work on the road. So I'm stoked. That's so fun. For anyone that doesn't know who Holly is, um, she has a podcast called Well and Weird, which I think I've been on three different episodes now. She's interviewed me three different times. And then Barbara has an interview episode on there, and there's a bunch of other wonderful interviews and episodes, so definitely go check out her podcast. Um, I'm straight up obsessed with her. Like, She's super great. Super, super great. She does a lot of work on um, anti-diet culture for anyone out there interested in that sort of thing or working with um, recovering out of uh, eating disorder. So she's a good person. Um, To switch gears just like a Mm. little bit, can we talk about, I know you said that your self-care practice was like really important for you as you were um, coming out of years of depression. And I know that you said that it was um, very guided by your body and guided by intuition, but do you mind sharing at all? Like what your self-care practice looks like now? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, for me, I don't have set routines that I do. Uh, for me, it's very, very important that I'm always working with whatever's present in the moment. Um, and so my self-care practice changes with the seasons primarily. Um, and it just depends on where I'm at and what my body and my heart and my mind are needing at the time. My goal is that I'm always living by the principles that I um, that my coaching practice is built on, but that actually really my life is built on. Um, and my, the second of the prince, the first of the principles is the best way to speed up is to slow down. So my self-care practice is based on the idea that whenever I'm feeling a little frazzled or I want to jump to, um, a conclusion or jump to a solution or feel like there's a big problem, like the first thing to do is really, really slow down. So whether that means having a cup of tea and like looking at the trees or going for a walk or, um, you know, calling a friend, anything that really helps me to slow my process down and actually come out of action. Um, I think action is always the last step 
that I take within uh, my self-care practice, the first step is always kind of like reflection and listening. And sometimes that might include an action like getting it to my body, uh, but it's not an action that's trying to fix what I'm feeling. It's actually an action that's trying to move me closer to what I'm feeling. So goal number one, how can I get closer to what I'm experiencing and closer to what I'm feeling? Because there's information there and it is there's a reason why something is calling for my attention. So let's listen. Um, and then after that, the second principle is that any feeling, coping mechanism, behavior, way of being, circumstance, anything you have in your life is something that you've come by honestly. It's there for good reason. And so that that for me means that I try and stay non-judgment as much as possible. And I try and trust that there's a reason for whatever, whatever it is that I'm struggling with and that now requires self-care. Um, you know, and there's of course preventative self-care as well as reactive. I think both are important. Um, and I think there's always a bit of both going on in my life. I don't expect myself to not ever need reactive self-care. Like, Completely. Shit like you know? I'm right there with you. I think people look at me and because I talk about self-care and I have a podcast on self-care and I like help yeah. other people that like, I totally have it down pat. And it's like, no, I do reactive self-care just as much as anyone else. Like I do some preventative as well, but like yeah. I'm a human. Yeah, we live in the world. Yeah, right? <laughs> We're in human bodies, you know? It's like, that's what it's at. That's where it's at. So, yeah, these days I did just join the gym, which feels very exciting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it feels really great. I went to a really fun bar class yesterday with, like, all these. I've never done bar. Really? Oh, my God, I love bar. I think I would, re- I think I would really like it. I need to I try it. I think you'd dig it. Yeah, because it's, like, it's, it, believe it or not, but bar is really hardcore, because it's created by these, you know, unfortunately it's created by women who have unrealistic body standards for themselves. And so most bar practices, like I used to go to a a bar studio in Toronto, I'm making air quotes again, because it was like really fancy and ridiculously expensive. Like it is the most expensive form of exercise I've ever done in my life. Um, And they were literally like an hour of intensive working out it was like a 20 minute hit workout but for an hour it, like it was absurd like uh, my body was shot for days after those things but well but it was really fun like it's so fun it's addictive I I'm I just really am excited because I in my acupuncture practice I treat a, a lot of dancers and a couple like ballerinas like actual ballerinas and I'm just like I, that um that little person in me that little girl that's just like that's kind of fun like I want to be ballerina I want to do bar yeah, you should totally do it. But I yeah. like a good workout, too. Exactly. Yeah, I think you'd enjoy it. Um, the class I did yesterday was at the – so the gym I just joined is the Y, YMCA. Do you guys have those? Yeah, we have. Yeah. Oh, so. so by the way, like, Barbara's in Canada, so that's why she just <laughs> asked us if we have YMCAs. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I name things and people are like, no, we don't have that in the U.S. And I'm like, okay, cool, that's a Canadianism. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I, joined, I just joined the Y. And so it's a very different demographic than the studios I'm used to because I've always been more of, like, a studio human. Like, I'll go to, like, a bar studio or a yoga studio or, you know, whatever studio. Um, and I come into the class, and this, like, woman that reminds me of my mother that's, like, also clearly an immigrant is, like, clearly in her 50s is teaching the class. And I and so many of the women in the room are older. And I just, like, lo- lost my shit. I, like, started crying as I came in was just like filled with so much gratitude and love and and like happy overwhelm at this like magical point in my life where like a 45 minute class that's kind of gentle but kind of fun with all these women feels like exactly what my body needs right now um 
And for me, that's the heart of self-care. For me, the heart of self-care is like, how can you get to that place where when you're doing the thing that you're doing for your self-care, you're like, yes, this is it, you know? And it looks totally different than what I thought I might need and what I've needed in the past. Totally. Um, but it's what my body needs now, and it feels freaking amazing. So. That's the way I feel when I'm, like, out with Tony and Juniper, my dog, and, like, out in the woods and, like the dog is off the leash and like you just see like her running and like this huge goofy dog smile on her face and we're hiking and like finding cool little things that we're foraging and like that's that for me right that's the magic that's the magic find self-care that lights you the fuck up Mm -hmm. that's the goal i love that well, I think that's actually like a kind of perfect place to end. Is there anything um, that you would like to share with us? Is there how would could people um, connect with you and find you online? And yeah, Instagram is my jam. Um, I make stories. I'm gonna say these days, like most days of the week, maybe like four to five days of the week. I, I like to give myself a couple days off always. Um, but yeah, feel free to inbox me there, and I'll get back to you. What's your handle? Uh, B with cards, B-E-W-I-T-H-C-A-R-D-S. Yes. Uh, Because I also have like a product that's called Cards for Self-Care. It's a deck of um, almost like Oracle cards, but have self-care and mental health prompts on them because why not? (laughs) And they're freaking great. So highly recommended. Thanks. Yeah, they were a real passion project. I made them in my first year of business, which these days I'm like, wow, that was a ballsy thing for me to do. But they were so much fun. Um... Yeah. Yeah. So Instagram is the easiest place for people to connect with me. Um, Yeah. The only thing that I would add is like, thanks for having me on and for creating this new world with me. Like it's, it's such an inspiration to work with you and such an inspiration to be on your podcast and to listen to you and to just feel like I have community uh, in you and that there's like, even though the work is hard, like you show up for it and I show up for it. And so many of the women we love and care for, in this community show up for too. And I think it's, it's exciting to me because it, it gives me hope and faith and it also gives me a place of belonging, you know? And even from that perspective, it's important. I love that. I redid my, um, like business values yesterday morning. I like sat at the coffee shop and was like doing the being boss book and doing the values and, um, belonging was like one of the words that like Mm -hmm. came up for me. So I love that you just reflected that back right now. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I have a lot of belonging with you, which is, Real nice and real nice, especially like in terms of internet friendship, you know? Yeah. Um, I think for a lot of solo business owners out there who are listening to this, like, um, belonging is possible. Uh, find your people, um, reach love out them hard, love them hard. Don't be afraid to reach out and don't be afraid to love them hard. You know, the, the ones that don't stick around, they're not yours. And that means that yours are on the way. Yeah, totally. Oh, thank you so much for being here. I love you. Love you too. Thanks for listening to another episode of Health Fuels Hustle. If you want to catch up on previous episodes, you can find them at healthfuelshustle.com or on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more about fueling your hustle, make sure you check out my website at amykoretsky.com. That's where you can find all of my free resources, sign up for my weekly-ish newsletter health notes, and learn more about how you can work with me to help you reach your health goals. Thank you.